I'm Rechard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 195 for the weekend starting 20 October 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, the Master Deeds leak scandal and what a story it is. What a story indeed. Also this week, the Zuma wrecking ball is added again. 5G smartphones are coming and Huawei's new phones. It's Friday. It's time to talk tech. Let's get the show on the road. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rehaus? How's it, Duncan? So I think this has quite possibly been the busiest week I have had, certainly in in many, many years. Um, it's been insane. The amount Done a few podcasts as well. <laughs> yeah, this is my seventh podcast Jeez. of the week. It's um, It's been very, very busy and uh, and lots of big breaking stories. Oh, yeah. The biggest by far and uh, possibly story of the contender for story of the year, of course, is the Master Deeds, Master Deeds Leak. Uh, which broke on Wednesday, and we're going to be talking about that in the podcast in some detail. But um, before we uh, get into all of that, let's do our quiz. Do you want to do the first question, Rechard? Sure. The first question. The records of how many South Africans were subject of South Africa's biggest ever data leak this week? Jacob Zuma this week replaced his communications minister again. Who is the new minister? The third question. Who was this week appointed as the new CEO of ICASA? Which semiconductor company this week announced it has developed and tested a chipset for 5G for use in mobile phones? The last question in this week's quiz. Which tech company had a successful listing on the JSE this week? As always, we'll get to the answers at the end of the show. So, uh, Rachat, you were mentioning all the podcasts this week. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been crazy. Uh, you know, all these podcasts scheduled for this week. And then, of course, on top of that, we've had all the breaking news. Oh, yeah. Plus, schedule some podcasts around that breaking news. So, it's been, uh, it's been a busy time. Uh, but, um, yeah, just to maybe highlight a few uh, of those podcasts, I, uh, I moderated a session at the University of Pretoria, uh, earlier this week, I think it was on Tuesday. The days are sort of melting into each other now. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, it was arranged by the South African Institute of Electrical Engineers, uh, and uh, had some four great panelists uh, on it. Um, I was the uh, moderator of the panel, and um, it was a discussion on the state of of digital terrestrial television in South Africa. Really interesting presentation. If you're interested in the te- some of the technical detail of where we're at and what still needs to be done and how we can do it, it's well worth going to have a listen to that. Um, if you're in broadcasting, it's a must listen. Um, but it, just generally, if you're interested in, um, in spectrum issues, in, in, mm. in project management around this, where we are at the moment, um, not very far down the road is the answer, uh, but what still needs to be done. It's a great discussion by four top minds in the broadcasting industry. Uh, we had William Stuckey there, who is a former ICASA counsellor, now an independent consultant. We had Aldred Dreher, who uh, works for Centec. I think he's in a business development role there. Mm. Uh, we had Lynn Mansfield, who's the chairman of SADIBA, or the Southern African Digital Broadcasting Association, and also the deputy chairman, uh, uh, Gerard Petrick. So th- those four gentlemen made up the, made up the panel. Mm. They gave some presentations. Uh, and then I hosted a, a panel discussion and Q&A um, in a lecture hall at the University of Pretoria on Tuesday night. So we recorded the whole thing. 
and and that's online. And um, I'm actually surprised at how well it's done. It's quite a technical subject, but um, it's uh, been one of the best downloaded podcasts we've we've recorded. Fantastic. Which surprised me a little bit, given the technical nature of the subject and 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 the fact that it's maybe a little bit. Um, uh, you know, a little bit. You know, it's not. It, it's quite um, specific and and mm. and uh, technical. But I, I suppose there's an audience that's looking for that. Oh yeah, and, no, there's uh, definitely an audience yeah. hungry for for mm. the technical information because it gets mm. usually get diluted so much for yeah. the news. You yes, know? yeah. I mean, certainly in in terms of the. Um, you know the, the sort of general news news that gets covered on DTT. You're just seeing headline stuff. These guys really delve down deep into what the issues are. Um, once we've gone through the and, and William in his presentation spoke to this. Once you go, th- we've gone through the digital migration process. There has to be a further migration, uh, which I, I don't think has really been covered in the media, mm-hmm. and that's uh, something called restacking or uh, digital do digital migration. Because once this happens, all the digital TV channels are going to be sitting in a whole bunch of um, different spectrum, uh, and some of it in the spectrum that's going to be reallocated for mobile broadband. So once the analog s- signals are switched off after the dual illumination process, there has to be a restacking of the digital channels um, to push them into lower frequencies so that the digital dividend spectrum can then yeah. be freed up for broadband. So. Fascinating debate, uh, and if it's a subject that interests you, I, I highly recommend going to, inter- going to listen to that podcast. Two other podcasts I just want to want to mention briefly. Uh, I had a great chat with Roger McCleary. Do you know Roger? Have you met Roger? No, no, uh, I don't think so. He's a motoring jo- veteran motoring journalist. Uh, he's been covering motoring since the 1950s. Sure. Uh, I met him last week at Audi uh, in Santon at a press conference with their MD, and uh, he, he had a debate with, um, with the chap from Audi about... Uh, Electric cars, etc., and it was a really interesting debate. So I thought, let's get Roger on the podcast. Nice, yes. So I went to see him at his home in uh, in uh, near Northcliffe uh, this week, and uh, yeah, we sat down for an hour and we just wrapped on on cars and electric cars and autonomous cars and where the whole industry is going. And it was a really interesting discussion from someone who knows his subject intimately. Mm. Um, so if motoring's your interest and you're particularly interested in in electric cars and their application in South Africa, um, what's happening in terms of the rollout of of um, infrastructure network for recharging and all that sort of stuff. Um, go have a listen to Roger. And the last podcast, which I also enjoyed uh, thoroughly, uh, was an, an interview I did with Simon Brown. Simon is a um, an investor. He's the founder of a website called JustOneLap.com, mm. and they do financial education. Um, Simon's a trader on the JSE. He's very active on Twitter. And we had a chat about tech stocks and investing in technology. Um, so we went through five or six international and then five or six local tech stocks, and we looked at them uh, through the prism of whether they are a good investment opportunities or not. So internationally, we looked at companies like Amazon and Microsoft and Facebook and Apple mm. uh, and uh, one or two others. And locally, uh, we looked, I think, I'm not going to get all the names now, but companies like Adapt IT, EOH, uh, Ultron, uh, MTN, Vodacom, and a few others. Mm, mm. Uh, so if stock market investing is your thing, <laughs> go have a listen to that. <laughs> or if you want to learn some more, it sounds yeah. fantastic. No, it was a great uh, a great podcast. And uh, we're certainly seeing it in the podcast download numbers. They are soaring, which is great news. Uh, so our podcast distribution partner, 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 iono.fm, we distribute all our podcasts, along with many other podcasters in South African radio stations, distribute their content through iono. Uh, I mentioned in, uh, um, I think it was last week or the week before, that um, if you have a Samsung Galaxy S8 and possibly some other Android models, mm. uh, you may have encountered problems downloading the podcast on your phone. Um, 
Pocket Casts gave, gave an error called Handshake Failed. Uh, I tried something called CastBox, which is a big Chinese-made um, uh, fast-growing podcast platform, and that simply refused to download the podcasts. Anyway, the good news is the team at Iona has been working on this, and the problem is now fixed. So uh, if you have an S8, please feel free to fire a Pocket Cast again, <laughs> uh, or whatever app you happen to use on that device. Uh, Remember, kids, the shows never expire. You can get them anytime. <laughs> well said, Richard. Uh, and it's, so, so it was something to do with an HTTPS error. It was uh, something, some configuration thing they had to do on their server as expected, mm. which they have now done. And uh, hopefully Samsung issues an update to their phone soon to fix the problem, the problem that caused the issue. Yeah. But the great news is you can now get back onto your podcasts on, uh, on your, your fancy S8. <laughs> And before we get onto the news, one last issue, and I thought it um, might be worth just mentioning that uh, it's update week. My word, there are a lot of downloads. Thank goodness for fiber as well. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and it happened quite quickly if you have fiber. If not, yeah. I feel sorry for you. Yes, indeed. So Windows 10 FCU, which mm. is what I've started to call it, the full creators update, uh, released yesterday. Um, big download. Took uh, took over an hour to update my TV. Uh, my desktop I haven't updated yet because I've just been so busy on my laptop also probably about 45 minutes uh, I haven't really had a chance to play with it yet um, the biggest feature seems to be the integration with mobile devices iOS and Android um, yeah. I have not used it yet so I can't report back on it um, how, how, you know how I'm finding it maybe we can have find a slot in the podcast next week to chat a bit about the I think we should yeah I'll also play with it over the next few days okay cool and then, of course, the other big uh, update, I wasn't even expecting it to arrive um, until I saw my Creative uh, Cloud uh, app fire up and start downloading stuff, is Adobe Creative Cloud 2018 mm. release. And, That's uh, got me really excited. Yeah, big updates there. I haven't used any of the new apps yet except for Audition, and I didn't notice anything new in Audition at a first glance. Uh, but it certainly looks like um, uh, Lightroom has received a major update. It now yeah. seems to be a cloud-based service rather than an application. Well, it is an application, but it's linked to a service. No, cloud-based, yeah. So I guess they're trying to take on um, Google Photos, but more at the high end. Yes, and I think what they're doing with this is it's going to give you all the power to edit your photographs. And if your, your device doesn't have the power, you, I'm sure you'll be able to... Use the cloud-based oh, yeah, possibly. server to, to do that for yeah. you. I haven't checked uh, if there are updates to the Android and iPhone apps yet. Um, if there aren't, I'm sure they're coming as well. Yeah, I know. They, they usually follow very quickly mm. afterwards. I'm, I'm excited about the video stuff. The, the VR, they, they've improved the VR in the Premiere Pro suite. So oh, the they? Premiere okay. Pro software. So oh, I did fire up Premiere Pro, and that's also that changed quite a bit. Yeah. No, that's what I'm really mm. excited about. And, I mean, they always they always improve this. And, and I don't mind paying that amount of yeah. money yeah. every month because I use it every day. And, really, the updates have mm. been pretty impressive pretty over yeah. the last uh, few years. That was always the concern two. when they went to the cloud uh, software as a service model that you'd pay the service fee and the updates wouldn't really come anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, no, they are keeping them up to date. I made the mistake on my desktop PC of firing up all of the new apps at once. Out of the app. And uh, my my desktop sounded like a Boeing 747 about to take off. <laughs> I mean, with, with particularly Premiere Pro Audition and Photoshop all starting at the same time, you just must, you must know it was really taxing my computer, especially on a, it's a hot day today, so uh, the fan was working after. Oh, yeah, over time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you if uh, any of the listeners have any strong views on uh, on Adobe CC 2018 or Windows 10 FCU. Let us know your thoughts. Info at techcentral.co.za. But let's get into let's get into the week's news. And there is a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> let's start with Master Deeds. Um, so Troy Hunt is a 
re, uh, researcher and an infosec specialist based in Australia. He um, seems, seems to work for Microsoft, um, or he. Uh, uh, yeah, I think he. I think he works at Microsoft. I stand to be corrected there, but he. Um, he on Tuesday started tweeting uh, that he had found a um, major leak of data pertaining to personal records of South African citizens. Uh, at the time, he was saying that the, the database file that he found on the dark web contained 30 million plus records. Uh, he subsequently realized after having another look at the database that in fact it contains the records of 75 million people, of which just over 60 million are South Africans, both alive and dead. And so he then put out a tweet saying, um, any South African tech journalists who uh, can help me uh, get the story out there. Uh, I was in back-to-back -back podcasts at the time, but luckily Andrew Fraser, who's a friend of the show, has been on a number of times, jumped at the opportunity, and he has been doing uh, fantastic work around yeah. the story. Uh, tech Central was the first media outlet to break the news about the leak on Wednesday morning, thanks to Andrew's hard work. And it's just been running since then. Um, and yeah, it's uh, there's, there's, so, there's so much to this. I'm not going to go through all of it in, in the podcast today because we'd um, use up the whole show and, and plenty more just talking about it. Yeah. But there's plenty of stuff on Tech Central to, to, to delve into uh, on this. Um, the initial, uh, some of the initial reports that, that came out suggested that uh, this might be associated, or the leak may have came from a company called Drake or Data Sciences based uh, just up the road here, actually, in Randburg. And, um, but further sleuthing and, and some fantastic work by the team uh, at, um, in, um, I forgot the name now, Dominic White uh, at um, SensePost Sense and his team uh, at that company did some, some serious sleuthing, and others have been sleuthing on this as well. Um, I think others may have reached the same conclusions that, uh, that SensePost reached. Uh, but... but um, it has been. It was then determined that the leak appeared to come from a website uh, or an IP address owned and managed, uh, hosted at Hetzner, but owned and managed by a Pretoria-based real estate company called Jigsaw Holdings. Um, I haven't spoken to Jigsaw. Um, I've uh, attempted to speak to their lawyer, but he he doesn't respond to WhatsApp messages. Um, but uh, some media, some media outlets have spoken to them, and they have admitted that, in fact, yes, we were the responsible party here. Um, the um, there was a web front end where you could simply go in and type in your ID number or anyone's ID number and get a whole lot of personal information, uh, including telephone numbers, email addresses, um, and even in some cases, salary information. Yeah. Uh, so very some sensitive information in there, and obviously um, data that you just don't want to get in the hands of people who could then use it, um, perhaps to um, add you to spam lists, mm. or worse, who can use it to impersonate you, which is a huge problem. Yeah, overseas. I mean that kind of information shouldn't be public. I mean, no, at any in the, the combination of the information mm. should never be together. But how does a company like that end up with? Effectively, an Excel spreadsheet with everybody in South Africa's details on it. I mean, yeah, it, w it wasn't was an Excel spreadsheet. No, no, I'm just uh, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> essentially that's what it was. I think I it mean, was. I think it was. I stand to correction here, but I think it was a MySQL database. Yeah, yeah. But it, um, it looks the same to the untrained. That's eye. the big question, right? That's the big question, and I, I think Jigsaw Holdings needs to hold a press conference soon. Mm -hmm. 
to, to go through all the issues. Um, I'd imagine they're under enormous pressure at the moment. The National Credit Regulator, a team from the National Credit Regulator visited Dracor yesterday afternoon and interrogated their CEO and staff, certain of their staff, about this leak. So I presume the National Credit Regulator has also visited Jigsaw Holdings. We don't know that, but I suspect that's the case. Uh, so there's, there are definitely investigations going on already. Um, I got a tip off yesterday that um, the Hawks and the National Prosecuting Authority had raided Draco yesterday afternoon. That, um, in fact, was not the case. Uh, uh, my, my source had it a bit off. Um, we d d did not run a story on it, let me emphasize that. Mm. Um, but um, what happened was that it was, in fact, the national credit team from the National Credit Regulator who came and visited them and interrogated them to find out exactly, from the Dracor perspective, what mm. had happened here. Um, I had also spoken, by the way, to Inspector Mulawudzi, who's the um, spokesperson for the Hawks, and uh, he also said there have been no raids from the Hawks related to this matter, at least not yet. Mm. Uh, the Hawks did, however, say, according to a report on News 24, that they are investigating. So the, the, the processes, are, the wheels are turning on the process, and um, yeah. I think the story's got a, a long way to run still. A lot so of questions to be answered. There are a lot of questions. Yeah. And you, you asked what was a, a property, what was a real estate company doing with this information? And mm. that question has not been adequately answered yet. Um, you know, they were providing a service, right, where people could check up. No, they weren't. Thing, weren't they? No, this was just exposed to the web. It was oh. their data. It was, I, I don't know why it was exposed to the web. It's possible it was possibly done for, for, for people working for their, uh, they've got, they own a number of estate agents, including AIDA and others. Realty One, I think. Yeah. Uh, well known. But um, they use it to query the database. Obviously. And presumably, real estate agents were using it to query the database. I'm just guessing. This is just guesswork here. Um, but I would imagine that was the case. Now, apparently, there was also a uh, backdoor, if that's the correct terminology. Dominic White from SensePose is probably going to um, send me a message <laughs> and tell me. Write your mail right now. Yeah. Uh, but um, there was another way into the system, apparently. And um, that remained open for quite some time. They, they closed down the the web front end of this thing uh, pretty promptly after it was discovered. But um, this this back door, and I, again, I don't know if that's the right terminology, was there for some time longer. I believe it's now been shut down. Mm. Um, but the problem is it's too late. No, uh, I mean, the, the data's out there. The data's right? out there. It. Someone's taken it. Uh, someone will have taken it. Uh, you know, so the moment this story started to break, it was there for, for, for a long time um, on the web, uh, someone who's enterprising could find it. I mean, mm -hmm. Andrew, as he said himself in, in a podcast I recorded with him, Dominic, and John Tullett from the RDC uh, on Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday evening, uh, as, as they pointed out, um, as Andrew pointed out, you know, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a, a hacker or, a, or a, um, doesn't have, possess any particularly advanced skill, skills. He's just mm -hmm. an ordinary guy in the street and he was able to get into this system. And he was able to run these queries. Um, so someone with this, with sufficient technical knowledge mm. could have got this database, and we have to assume that they did. Somebody must and no doubt it's going to be on sale somewhere on the dark web. Yeah. Everyone has to details. Exactly. Do we know what the, I mean, did they, anybody say what the website was built on? I mean, because this seems to me like, you know, a web developer with, who's, who's not really skilled enough to, keep the website up to date. I mean, there's things that happen all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not just about building a WordPress site. Yeah. Or As Andrew an pointed out, this website was horrendously built from a security okay. perspective. Okay. It was, it was, it was, it, you know, it was like knocking down a house with your hand. It was, it was, it was, it was, I can't remember the exact word he, Andrew used in the article he filed for us on Tech Central on, on Wednesday afternoon about that, or Wednesday evening about that. But he, he 
he pointed out that this was really, really shockingly bad from a security perspective. I've seen this kind of thing before, you know, with many companies. Who, not all of them are sensitive data, but there is secure mm. information that, you know, is can be easily accessed. And, yeah. and the, the website isn't kept secure in a way. I mean, there's many ways to put a firewall on something mm. like that. But and that's a very basic step to take. Yes. Somebody, somebody obviously dropped the ball on that one oh, yeah, uh, in terms of, of you know, keeping that site secure. And people don't, mm. people don't realize the impact of unpatched servers or yes. unpatched software on servers. Now, the other interesting angle to this whole thing is that um, there's a piece of legislation that's in the process of being introduced called the POPI Act. Mm. POPI, P-O-P-I, stands for the promotion of, no, not promotion, it stands for the Protection of Personal Information Act. And this act was designed specifically with things like this in mind. Now, that act is not fully implemented. It's only going to be fully implemented um, sometime next year. That act creates something called in the Information Regulator, that's going to be chaired or headed up by uh, Pansy Glakula, mm-hmm. who has been appointed already, uh, but that, that information regulator is not in effect yet. So I think possibly Jigsaw Holdings is quite lucky that the Poppy Act is not in force because the Act not only uh, allows for fines running into millions of rands, but can also impose prison sentences. A judge can also impose a prison sentence for negligence like this. So it's very serious indeed. Um, well, it's probably the most. This is the most serious version of a breach that we could have because it's yeah. not not a small selection of people. Okay. Yeah. This is our South, This is South Africa's Equifax. Um, a few a few years ago, maybe it wasn't even that far ago, long ago. Um, there was the big story about the Stekinico data breach. Mm. I think that involved about seven million records, uh, and not as much information as was disclosed through this leak. This involves over 60 million records. So basically every South African is affected by this. And as Troy Hunt tweeted this morning, uh, a large number of minors running into millions and millions and millions of names of children are also contained in this, uh, in this information. And one wonders why a property company requires the details of minors. Why was it given to them in the first place? Mm. Um, you know, we don't know that chain of events. Um, uh, now, we, we, uh, I went to um, record a podcast this morning. Uh, it's already up on Tech Central with Chantal Fraser, who is the CEO of Dracor Data Sciences. Uh, some reports uh, suggested that Dracor may have been responsible for the leak initially, and I think people drew, drew, drew that conclusion by looking at the various headers in the database and comparing those headers with um, headers in a database uh, owned and operated by Dracor. Mm. Um, so it was perhaps easy to draw that conclusion, but um, it appears that that conclusion, well, that conclusion was wrong. Uh, Draco is now threatening to sue um, a, a website, iAfrican, that, um, r- that wrote a story asking, not stating, but asking whether Draco was behind this. Uh, I did a podcast with Chantal this morning, and she said that um, they will be filing papers in the high court this afternoon against the owner or the publisher of that website. Uh, whether they f- go through with that or not, I don't know. Um, it's now 3 p.m. on Friday, so if it is happening, it's happening right now as we mm, speak. Mm. Um, so, Dracor is a. And I, please go and listen to the in- interview with, with Chantal no, it's a great, Fraser. Great podcast. Uh, she. Um, they do a, a range of things, but one of them is. is um, now, I've got to get the word correct. It was not data cleansing, it was data. It was like a data enhancement type of service. So, they'd take a bunch of information about people. And then they'd, they'd flesh it out with more information. Mm. Um, and three years ago, they did some work with 
with uh, another company in the group which is no longer around did some work with with um, with this property company um, I can't remember the term I think it was data enhancement or something like that um, I'll, I'll get, get it up now but um, she she said that they did some work but they've had nothing to do with um, they've had nothing to do with mm. jigsaw since then uh, and she is adamant that Dracor had nothing to do with the leak um, but we still don't know the full chain of events, how this data got in the hands of this property company in the first place, whether Jigsaw should have had this data, was it rightfully entitled to have this data? Is this data you can, that a, a, a realty company can simply go to a credit bureau and buy? Because um, credit bureaus, bureaus sell this data to, yeah. to mm. other it's companies. It's a way of getting, giving access to it. But they said they've got a lot of, as, uh, as Chantal Fraser said in the podcast, there's a whole lot of rules around how you mm. access this data. You have to, you can't, man in the street, you know, can't go and buy this data from a, a credit bureau hoping to spam everyone on the list. There are a whole lot of rules around this. And apparently rules as well around um, how the information must be protected from a security perspective. Mm. I'd love to see what those rules are uh, in, in, from, from the credit bureaus to get an idea of whether um, it covered uh, incidents like this. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that it, it would, but I don't know the answer to that question. But see, the problem is a SQL file or any database file or any file really is, is easy to copy if you have enough time. Yeah. The chain of command is broken at that point. So mm. anybody, any company who obtained it legally, mm. you know, if there was a weak point with that person in charge of that or... Uh, the chain of command between where it's supposed to be secure and mm. somebody got access to a quick copy. That I mean, it'll take a while to copy, but yes. it's not impossible. Well, it's only twenty-seven gigabytes. I mean, on a on a fiber fostered line, you can download that very quickly. Yeah, but I mean, if you're if you're on the server copying it into a, a file yeah. route somewhere mm. to download it later, I mean, that's. Yeah. But that's not good. I, I think. Um, you know, it's a pity the information regulator is not in, in place yet because this is a great investigation. This is exactly why we need it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to see whether they pick this up once. But by next year, I mean, the story's going to be so old by then. Um, the national credit regulator is on it, so maybe that's where we're going to see some progress on this. But I think what needs to happen next is we need Jigsaw needs to start talking about mm-hmm. what's happened mm-hmm. here. Um, uh, you know, if someone from that company is listening to the podcast, uh, then call a press conference, guys. Let's let's talk about it. Um, I think Dracor has done a very good job of, um, of of the way they've they've managed this crisis. Because I mean, this has been a big crisis for them yeah. as well. What they've done is they've been very open and communicative. Um, They've, I mean, the podcast this morning. They've been speaking to other journalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, um, you know, they they were they were effectively their name was sullied in the market, and they've dealt with it in what I think is the best way possible, and that's by talking. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't clam up and pretend it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so kudos to them for that. But uh, I think Jigsaw needs to, and I'm sure they're in crisis. They must be in crisis mode right now. But at some point soon, um, it's Friday today, early next week, I think we need to see some communication from them on what happened exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. You know? My other question, I guess my last question is what, what can we do? Those of us who nothing. have been compromised. There is nothing you can do, Rehard. There's nothing no you can do. No password to change. Your information's out there. Update. It's out there. If you want to know, by the way, you can check if, you're, if you were a part of the... Um, part of the leak if you go to have I been pwned.com so replace the O in owned with a P have I been pwned.com and then type in um, any of the email addresses that you happen to have 
and uh, look for the South African flag in the list that appears below and um, that'll tell you whether you have been included in the breach. There's no way to enter a, is there no service that gives you access to putting your uh, uh, ID number? No, they, they have not done that and I believe that, um, in fact Troy Hunt is behind this website, have I been pwned? And, uh, I'm sure they'll set up something, it should be easy. No, I don't think they're going to. No, I, well I don't think they want to because um, uh, again you you're going to be exposing. Is, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, if you could check for an e through an email address, then um, you can at least see whether you've been compromised. And and pretty much every South African has been compromised. So put in your email address there, Rechot, and uh, see what uh, it says. About 80% of my old email addresses are pwned, but... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there. Yeah, it's there. Hmm. Yeah. I'd be surprised but if But I've seen it before. I mean, my, my mail email address has been part of it. But, I mean, it's a generic email I use for a yeah. lot of things. So, I mean, it's... Yes. It's yeah, I'm actually amazed. It's a great website, this. I... Um, I'm amazed at how, how how many services have been compromised. And you type, I type in my Gmail address, which I use for a lot of uh, yeah, that's the same. website logins. And uh, I'm just looking here. Dropbox, Last FM, the Master Deed South Africa breach or leak, Modern Business Solutions. I don't even know who they are. A large MongoDB file containing tens of millions of accounts were shared publicly on Twitter. Sure. Uh, Trillion. Uh, which was or still is a um, instant messaging app, mm. and Zomato, which is a, um, a um, restaurant, restaurant review rating, thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a great website to check if you've uh, <laughs> if you've been compromised in any way. And it's another lesson, this by the way, mm. uh, in why you must use a password manager. Oh yeah. You have to use a password manager. It's actually if uh, if you are not using a password manager, you are asking for trouble. Your password is then not strong yeah. enough, which means it is very yeah. likely that somebody can get into it yeah. with a time yes. You need deadline. to you need to use unguessable passwords, and the only real way of doing that um, is to use a machine generated password. And LastPass does it for you. It generates all of these password managers. Does it for you? They yeah. Generate the long. You just say they how do. many characters you want, and yeah. It and the the good ones will alert you when there's been a security breach. So you'll get a message popping up through the app saying, "We are now aware of this breach. Um, please." I mean, I just got it the other day. I use Dashlane. Mm. I haven't seen one on the Master Deeds. I don't know if it's relevant to the Master Deeds, but I, I, I had one that popped up on um, on Dashlane the other day about the Discuss uh, breach that was reported oh, yes. last week, and um, and so it allows you to change your passwords. Uh, and you should not reuse a password across a single website. Every single website you log into must have a different password. Uh, I think that's probably the most important lesson out of this whole thing. Oh, yeah. um, but the other thing, the concern about this is, is the impersonation angle. Many call centers, you phone, you phone, maybe your banks are a bit, the bank is a bit different because they're a little tighter on these sort of things. Yeah, yeah. But you phone your cell phone company and they'll, oh, okay, let's check who, if you say who you say you are. What's your email address? Where do you live? Um, that's usually what they ask you. Um, but they also give you the, some of this information. I mean, it's in the database. Think, which makes you yeah. think they're, they're legit and then Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's in this, in this leak. So, so someone, who wants, um, someone who has ill intent can get this information about you and they'll have... They'll, they'll, they'll have a whole lot of range of info on your email address, your, um, at the very least they'll have your email address, your phone number, probably your residential address, possibly your postal address. Yeah. And then you can use that to phone a call center and say, hey, I'm this person and I want to do this. So basically the only, the, only uh, the way out of this is to move and not be born. <laughs> yes. And then you'll be fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if moving will help. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess. Um, yeah, the the only way to really secure yourself from this is to die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, 
but I, the, 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 I think the, the message here is that you need to be more vig- you need to be more vigilant. You need to be aware that this has happened, and you need to be conscious of any attempts to um, to swindle you out of, or, or someone yeah, to, yeah. attempting to defraud you. And I think the message for business is they need to know this information is out there, and they need to find perhaps they need to find better ways of authenticating you. Definitely. And let's not forget, just on a side note, uh, TransUnion is a, is a fantastic site. You get once a year, you get a free credit report. You can buy one after that. TransUnion, they're a TransUnion. big credit bureau. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, that lists all the accounts and um, closed, past, and current that you have. So it's a good oh. way to see if someone's open a cell phone account in your oh, name right. or That's a, good a clothing account in your name. Because they list them, then you can see if it's open, closed. Mm. Um, what the status of your That's payment a good on that kind of thing. No, it's a Can great you just service. do it through their website? Yeah, yeah, just register. It's very easy. I do it once a year, just around tax season, out of habit. Right. You know, it's just part of my, my yearly cataloging of paperwork. And, uh, yeah. and it's also a good way to, to keep an eye on things. And, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, do go and have a listen to that podcast. I recorded um, uh, via Skype with, with Dominic White from SensePost, uh, John Tullett from the IDC, and, of course, Andrew Fraser, uh, where we were unpacking what was happening here in real time. In fact, um, we, we were breaking the news as it was happening that this, uh, that this had been pinpointed to, a, um, to an IP owned mm. by, by um, Jigsaw. It's a great podcast. Um, so lots to listen to this week. <laughs> what are we going to do this week? Hope you can squeeze them all up. in. Yeah, no, this weekend I'm catching up on all the email I haven't been able to <laughs> do this week because it's been so busy. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's take a quick ad break. We'll be back right after this. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber, now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Richard? How's it, Duncan? So it's been, um, it's been. There's been other news this week apart from the leak. Uh, I've been so busy with the leak, it's almost the mm. other stuff's almost faded into the yeah, background. Else is, yeah. But our wonderful president has been uh, up to his usual nonsense this week, and he has once again re- redeployed his communications minister. <laughs> once again, I, I think the current one, had, or the last one, had only been in office for a couple of months. Um, she ha- she was meant to. To tackle the digital migration thing, I, I think precisely nothing has happened since the, since Faith Mutambi left as uh, as communications minister. She's now at um, public service and administration, where by all accounts she's doing an awful job. Uh, but the new minister, Mamaloko Kubai, um, installed this week, uh, and she is taking over the SABC management or oversight of the SABC. Mm. Um, and she is also uh, now responsible for our digital migration project. So uh, it's, I despair. I actually despair. Does she have any experience in the telecommunications industry? 
She, I, I think she was the head of the, or the chair of the Portfolio Committee on Communications in Parliament, so she has some experience okay. of the sector. Um, thankfully, she knows some of the issues. Uh, but you, you top and change ministers like this. I see even uh, Gwede Mantashi, who's the Secretary General of the ANC, slammed Zuma, saying you can't do this because you know the ministers don't get a chance to actually get any get get going. Get you know mm. you've got to get momentum. You've got to meet people. You've got to understand the issues. You've got to. This takes months. So, yeah, now we're back a year about twelve yeah. months worth of catching up. And so so now he's reshuffled his cabinet again. It appears to protect himself rather than anything to mm. do with the interests of South yeah. Africa. Um, so yeah, he just—it's—it's a—he's basically raised a big middle finger to the South African ICT industry. He doesn't care. Um, by chopping and changing these ministers, he's setting things back and back and back and back, and we're already so far behind. Um, we are so far behind. It's, it's not not even a joke anymore. Eldred uh, Dreyer um, at the DTT panel discussion that I was hosting uh, in Pretoria, at the University of Pretoria last week. Uh, mentioned uh, the son of of, um, of some Centec executive um, uh, who w- was at the launch when they first switched on the first DTT signal in South Africa, um, uh, and and one of the executive sons was there. He was five years old, little kid, at the switch on, and uh, they met again um, recently, and where we are in the process now, we still haven't started um, the. We effectively haven't. The project is in limbo at the moment, and this five-year-old kid is now graduating from the University of Pretoria. That's how much time wow. has gone past. It's a generation, essentially, <laughs> of that kid not having digital, you know, digital, any TV based on digital broadband uh, and digital uh, broadcasting. Broadcasting, yeah. Sorry, um, that's uh, that's a scary thought to put into perspective. It's, it's just uh, it just puts it in perspective exactly. Um, the years and years and years we've wasted on this project. But what this shows is the president just doesn't care. Um, we've, you know, this project is so far behind. It's so important to South Africa's economy that this spectrum is given to the operators so that we can roll out broadband. Mm. Oh, no, um, we've got a conference coming up in December. Uh, I need to reshuffle my cabinet again because I reportedly, uh, allegedly, i am put those words in front, have to do some dodgy deal with Russia on nuclear, and um, so let's reshuffle again and move our ministers around. So, yeah, that's where we are, another mess, another fine mess. Anyway, we are just, uh, what's the date today? 20th of October. We are exactly two months from knowing the outcome of the ANC's elective conference, and then hopefully this madness is going to end. Please, I want something else to talk about. There's so many amazing things happening in this world. Yes. Technology-wise, and especially. And so many amazing things that could happen in this country if we could, we could just unlock it. Um, it is like we're taking one step forward, three steps back. Yeah. It really feels like that. And with the wrong people in those very important public, should I emphasize, mm. positions, yet people are still out to look after themselves. Mm. And that really is what all of this comes down to, you know, people looking out for themselves, not for the greater good of the country, yeah. the people that are serving. Yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting eighteen months to twenty-four months ahead because we've got the elective conference. If Lemini Zuma comes out of that, then I think we're all in very big trouble. Mm. Very big trouble, and we're going to have a very gloomy Christmas. If Ramaphosa wins, then I think we, you know, and he fires Zuma in January. I think twenty eighteen could be a great year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, just uh, eighteen months from now. Just over 18 months from now, we're due to go into an, into an election. 
So lots of drama to come in this country. Never a quiet, never a dull moment. Let's put it that way. Look, if I can, if I can, if I can sound a, a little bit, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Optimistic. You know, things go in seven-year cycles. The last time South Africa really stood together was with the World Cup, mm. 2010. It's now seven years later. We kind of, we're almost at the bottom of the pit that we can go with our go- current government. Um, or with a president, at least. Yes. You know? Yes. I'm. I'm hopeful. You know, 2018 new beginnings. If we can get this conference right, yeah, let's have a good 2018 and at least. Business has been holding back investment. I mean, you look at yeah. their, their balance yeah. sheets; they are full of cash. I mean, these companies are not investing. There's so much uncertainty in this country. If we can just get some uncertainty back into the country, a real president who's going to lead the country, and stability in government, and 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 proper policy formulation, then there's so much. So there's so much backed up, dammed up, mm-hmm. waiting to be unleashed and invested and, and et cetera, et cetera, that I think, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that we'd have a mini boom, potentially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, but then the mess, the mess that, that um, Ramaphosa, assuming he becomes the next president, is inheriting from Zuma is so large that it's going to take, it's going to take probably a generation to fix mm, mm. Yeah, that system, systematic corruption, I mean, it's institutionalized. Yeah, yeah, exactly, institutionalized corruption, but also this this um, this this wanton uh, erosion of of state institutions. Mm. The NPA is the is a classic example, but there's plenty of other examples. I mean, SAA, yeah. uh, um, plenty of state-owned enterprises that have really um, fallen into disrepair under under this um, Zuma administration. But uh, let's move on. There's more exciting, more interesting things to talk mm. about than politics. And um, 5G is coming. Man, I can't wait. Yes. Uh, match my fiber perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so Qualcomm announcing quite a significant story this week, I thought. Uh, Qualcomm, of course, the biggest semiconductor company making chipsets for smartphones in the world. And they, they really are the intel of the mobile world. Um, and they're announcing this week that they've taken a big step forward uh, towards the delivery, not of 5G, but of 5G in mobile devices, in handsets. And we, they're saying we should start to see the first consumer 5G handsets in the market in, in early 2019. So that's probably before the hour of next election. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be kept busy with the, with, with the politics, so it'll come sooner than you think. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> so they've introduced something, or they've announced something called the Snapdragon X55 G modem chipset. Um, and they've tested it in the labs in, I think it's San Diego in the US, which is where the head office is. And they are, have used the 28 gigahertz millimeter wave frequency band uh, to deliver gigab- gigabit class uh, 5G uh, tra- transmissions uh, through this chip. And this is a big development in the move towards offering mm. commercial 5G handsets. Um, interestingly, they're doing it in the 28 gigahertz band. Uh, this is the same frequency band that uh, Comsol, uh, the company yeah. we spoke about in the podcast last week, has access to. They basically own the 28 gigahertz band in South Africa. Mm. Um, quite fortuitous that they have access to it. They got it years ago, apparently, before anyone was even talking about 28 gigahertz being used for 5G. And they are, as you know, going to be rolling out a 5G network on a limited scale in Gauteng uh, in the coming weeks. And um, I'm looking forward to doing a follow-up podcast with Ian Stevenson, the CEO of that company. Uh, Once they have actually started to test it, we'll go through there and we'll, um, we'll play with it ourselves and see what it's all about. Uh, they're going to be doing it as part of a trial with, with live customers uh, to start. And, um, yeah, they're using the 28 gigahertz 
band and um, yeah 5g is coming nice we're going to be talking a lot more about 5g in, oh, yeah. in in the next in the next year it's for got, sure it's got so many amazing implications for for technology i think it's very exciting times of course, the standards aren't better done yet. So, I mean, there's so much detail we still need to we still need to understand mm, about how mm. this is all going to work and what frequencies particularly are going to be used. Because, I mean, 28 gigahertz is not is not um, you're not going to put up a big base station like you see from Vodacom or yeah, CLC or yeah. MTN uh, for five for 5G at that sort of frequency. This is going to be for in-building coverage. This is going to be for deploying on lampposts all down streets. It's all basically giving us better connectivity all the time in places yeah. that generally yeah. is problematic. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, my understanding of it, at least initially, is that uh, 5G is going to be, is going to be um, used in dense urban areas. So you're walking through the street here in Randburg or mm, you're, you're walking mm. through Santon City or you are um, in, a, in a dense area like a block of flats or just, just a built-up, well-built-up area. There'll be hundreds of, of micro cells in, in that area. Yeah, Perhaps every yeah, lamppost yeah. has one. And you'll have great 5G coverage in that area. You know, because it's 28 gigahertz or 26 gigahertz, whatever happens to be used in South Africa, I think 26 gigahertz they're talking about here. It, it, it doesn't travel very far from that um, base station. So uh, you but it's, a, it's a strong signal. It, it will breaks, be, if, if it, it goes, goes through walls, it works underground. No, well. it doesn't go through walls. Oh, very isn't well. it a, it's, a the, it's the low frequencies that go through walls, okay. um, which is why um, the digital dividend is so important because yeah, yeah, in yeah. rural areas, um, these signals are going to have to travel a very long distance and then they're going to have to go through a wall, mm. um, which is why the lower frequencies are important. These higher frequencies are, um, are, are going to be better suited for... Um, uh, for for short range communication, I mean, how many shops do you still go to? I see it often, you know, uh, concrete buildings or mm. parking lots where your signal drops completely. Yes, um, and if I guess not, it's not always inconvenient, but you could be on a call. You're often on mm. a call, you know, going into these places. And the cell phone companies have done a very good job of providing coverage in in shopping centres. The and new developments I can I've all seen. Yeah. yeah, I mean. I'm on telecom, but you know, and and they haven't rolled out as much coverage. So I do notice in some shopping centres they don't have coverage. So I'm picking up from a tower outside the shopping centre. My signal is quite weak. But if I walk around with an MTN or or CLC or Vodacom sim around any shopping centre mm. here in Gauteng, signal is on four. I get a fantastic 4G yeah. signal, and that's because they've deployed um, microcells, if that's the right terminology, inside those shopping centres. You can often see them in the parking lot. Santon's got a few of them hidden, uh, you know, just above your head. Yeah, they've got this. You'll just see the few antennas. Yes. Things. Yes. Well, they've got the white box, which, which yeah. I've also seen around. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I expect we'll see 5G deployed in the airport, in, in mm. um, shopping centers. And then over time, um, you know, all these street lights out here will become base stations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's been a few, yeah, there's, there's quite a few around. Uh, the ones with Already, the South yes. House, yes. yes. Now, I guess people don't always want them in, in front of their house because they could be unsightly, but it's the way of the future, unfortunately. You know, yeah. if you want connectivity, you're going to have to. S- to deal with that. Yes. But anyway, you can't have three or four towers covering a city like yes. it used to be back in the day. By the way, I saw a, um, a correspondence between our local councillor here and um, someone who was complaining about these uh, t- these street pole towers, saying that the complainant was saying our tower, uh, you know, our homes are getting r- irradiated. We're all going to get cancer. Oh, yeah. And I saw the local councillor just slap them down in this correspondence. He said, "You don't know what you're talking about. This is." Uh, I have spoken extensively to the cell phone companies. This is much lower frequency than you get out of the the, the bigger towers. Mm, and he, mm. he actually comprehensively debunked uh, all of the um, the complaints from this person. I thought I was I was quite impressed by it. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think misinformation is obviously hurting mm. that side of it. And yeah, it is. It's making it more difficult to do the rollouts. 
Um, but I think I think in most cases it's it's people not wanting this unsightly thing. Yeah. Really. Look, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't notice it after a while. I yeah. guess. You know, and the street and pole ones are, are, you know, they look they, they look, look kind of, of like it's just a box that's next yeah. to the, next to it. Mm. Uh, just yeah. got painted, man. Painted yeah. a nice color, like camouflage. Nobody yeah. will see it. Bright pink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the last story, very briefly, that I wanted to chat to you about this uh, this week was the new Huawei Mate 10 device. It's quite an exciting phone, this. Uh, it's a phablet. It's really big. Um, but they've got two models that they've brought out, and it's the uh, 10 Pro that uh, excites me. I don't think they're bringing the, the Mate 10 here. They're only going to bring the 10 Pro, and then they're going to bring the Porsche design version uh, to this market. To go with your VW. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it looks like a nice phone. It does. It does. Uh, I, what I really like about the Samsung, what Samsung did with the Galaxy Note, sorry, the Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus, was they went for a much wide, taller form factor mm. than on other phones. So I find all other phones a bit boxy now. It's a fantastic format, and um, they've done it here in the new Pro version. Uh, this Pro SKU comes with six gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of storage. And the special Porsche Design Edition comes with 256 gigabytes of storage. Nice. We don't have pricing yet. They're going to launch these phones in South Africa on the 6th of November, so we'll go to that launch. Um, but they look pretty exciting. Um, they've designed the cameras once again with Leica, um, 20 megapixels, 20 megapixel dual rear, rear cameras, um, 4,000 milliamp hour battery, uh, which nice. is yes. fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, my, one, one, my one complaint about the older Mate models was the screen resolution was a little bit on the low side, mm. uh, which helped with the battery life. But um, you, could, you could notice a little bit of pixelation on the screen, which you don't notice on the higher density displays. They've addressed that with this new version. So the, uh, the Mate 10 has a 2560 by 1440 resolution, which I think is the same or similar to the, uh, the S8. And then the Pro has a 2160 by 1080 resolution. Uh, which is a little bit lower, uh, interestingly. Um, taller form factor, much taller form factor. Uh, and the, f- the phones are, the, the, the Mate is 5.9 inches, and the, and the bigger one, or the, um, the taller one, the Pro, is 6 inches in size. I'm really looking forward to seeing these phones, so I'm going to go through to the launch and, uh, and have a look at them. And, of course, um, almost bezel-less designs have become the norm now. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So quite an exciting phone. Um, and uh, we'll have some uh, we'll have some exciting news about other new phones coming into this market. Yeah, quite yeah, soon, no, I, I agree. Uh, there's going to be some very interesting things coming. That's why I'm excited. I think yeah. you know we we're really in a space where not only local availability of these devices, but just you know we're living yeah. in the future. I mean, when did you think you're going to have a device in your hand that you know got a massive screen? It's just beautiful, uh, high res PPI, yeah. and bezel-less design. I'm just a geek. I'm just getting yeah. excited about. Oh, you're getting very excited. There, I'm still, I'm still actually wanting to get hold of that Nokia because I think they, that that uh, that was still a phone that uh, mm. piqued my interest. Yeah, the Nokia Eight. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. wife is due for an upgrade, and she's thinking of getting the Nokia Eight. It's a very nice device. Mm. It's a very very nice device, and certainly the up the um, immediate Android updates really appeal to me. Yeah, that is very cool. That's our news. Uh, Let's move on to our regular features of the week. And um, our winner this week, I thought I'd pick Troy Hunt. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. The Australian InfoSec researcher. Um, first of all, for um, you know, doing a great job around the disclosures around this, and, but also for, uh, for being so communicative about, about it and, and talking to South African users. He's posted a fantastic video, which we've also posted on Tech Central. He posted on YouTube this morning 
where he explains in detail um, what South Africans need to know. Um, very proactive, very love it, communicative. Love it, love it. Um, yeah. Go check out that video. It's very good. And um, he's, been, he's been active on Twitter. He's been talking actively to South African tech journalists about the story. Uh, and, um, yeah, uh, I've been following him on Twitter. looks like an all-round good guy as well. So yeah. that's Troy Hunt. Um, Give him a follow on Twitter. It's worth it, actually. He pointed out, by the way, just for fun, uh, he pointed out this morning, uh, he tweeted, um, and it took me a while, but he tweeted that uh, um, KFC uh, has been very smart in the people it follows. Um, I'm just trying to find the, the link here. So, um, yeah, here it is. So KFC, which is the chicken company, um, follows only 11 people on, on Twitter. And... Um, and Troy Hunt tweeted, the accounts at KFC chose to follow are smart. So I went and had a look. <laughs> it took me a while. But he's following Jerry Horner, Melanie Brown. This is Sorry, KFC is following Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Horner, Melanie Brown, Emmy, Emma Bunton, and Melanie C in that order. And, of course, they are all the singers from the Spice Girls. Uh, uh, and, and Victoria Beckham, I beg your pardon. And then he's following... Um, Herb Schribner, Herb Wesson, uh, Herb Waters, okay, Herb clever, yeah. Dean, Herb <laughs> Sendek, and Herb Alfred. It took me a while. Uh, it took me a while, but um, 11 Herbs and Spices. 11 Herbs and Spices, <laughs> yeah. When you said Spice Girls, I, yeah, <laughs> that is very cool. That is brilliant. Clever well, marketing. Nice. Well done, KFC. Well done, KFC. Very clever marketing. Probably still won't buy your burgers uh, Oh, quite. Not, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Better than McDonald's, I'll put it that way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we have three losers this week. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't, it's only I, fitting. I couldn't choose between them. I really couldn't choose between them. And uh, they're, all, they're all deserving losers, so let's go through them quickly. Jacob Zuma for reshuffling his cabinet again mm. and giving us yet another communications minister. Jigsaw Holdings, for obvious reasons. And the South Africans, all of us, yeah, who all have us. been implicated by this data leak. So, yeah, we're pretty much all losers this week. Thank you for playing the game. You lost. <laughs> Insert another coin. <laughs> That's who we are right now. Indeed. So, with all of this craziness of this week, Rechard, I have not had time to find a pick, I'm afraid. Um, so, it's all up to you. The pressure's all on your mm, shoulders. No, it's, gonna, it's a good one. It's a good one. I came across this thing on a Kickstarter, so I haven't played with this yet, but... I think I'm going to get one. I definitely think I'm going to get one of these things. It's called the Wiral, W-I-R-A-L, light cable camera. Now, if you've seen any of the show, uh, any of the rugby matches or soccer games in the stadiums, they do a lot with uh, in the World Cup. I think they, they started it here. But um, it's essentially a camera on a rope that's span or cable that's, that's spanned between various parts of uh, uh, the stadium. And the operator can, in a drone-like fashion, without all the dangers of a drone, get aerial shots. You can pull the camera up, put it close. I mean, you can go with, you know, with the protect that they use in stadiums, you can go right up to a player's face because you can pull the tension between the, the four anchor points. Oh, wow. Or the three anchor points, uh, whichever they use. Now, the viral light is essentially a, a pocket camera version of it. Now, it's a very simple design. It's essentially a camera rig that you string onto a piece of wire that you can tie between two buildings, two trees, two people can hold it. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can, you can set this thing up. But it gives you really cool aerial shots in very tiny cramped spaces that you can't get a drone in. Mm. Um, I think they're onto something. You can, it's, it's got a normal tripod mount at the bottom, so you can mount a GoPro, you can mount a, a DSLR, you can mount a Osmo, which is a stabilized handheld camera. 
Um, I, I assume the next version they're going to bring out for this is going to be a, a gimbalized camera. I wouldn't be surprised if a company like DJI buys them out, to be honest with you, because this technology fits in very, very nicely with this kind of stuff that they're doing. Um, you can go check it out on Kickstarter. Uh, might not be a bad idea to actually sign up if you've got the cash. For $199, you'll get the, you'll get the first version of the cam with a basic kit and camera and uh, the right mounts. So for $200, which would be just under 10 grand, you know, it's... it's hmm. It's not $200 bad. is 10 $200. Grand. No, no, just uh, $200, I'm saying under 10 grand with import duties. Oh, jeez, it better be under under seven. Under seven. Under six. I would imagine South Africa will be more expensive, but okay, <laughs> oh, if, you, if you pay it for 199 and you get it uh, via this price, yes, what, seven grand. Um, the retail price will probably be more to, more around the $250 price range. Okay, okay. Um, it does look very cool. Um, uh, if you go into Kickstarter, we'll include a link, obviously, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but there's a video here uh, demonstrating it, and it does look, uh, look does look pretty cool. You're going to get one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. It's a, a, a DC yeah. Rainmaker actually tested. He's a guy that uh, is very well known. He's like the ultimate oh, lo- sports gear, yeah. sports kit reviewer, yeah. and he puts his stuff through the paces. And he, he raved about it. So I can see the practical applications for shooting sport in particular. You know, mountain mm. biking, running. It's the kind of stuff that I do. So. Yeah. This fits in very nice with that, and mm. I mean, what's it's just mounting a camera to something else that you can get a really cool angle for. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. I think that's our show, Rechot. We've got some great podcasts coming up next week. We're going to continue following the the uh, Master Deeds uh, leak. Yes. Um, there is a lot of to run on that story still, and we've actually lined up some great podcasts next week yeah, to talk yeah. more about it. So uh, look out for those. We've also have some uh, there's some big news coming next week. We're uh, expecting the results of the SAP investigation mm. into uh, the allegations around um, the Guptas, etc. We're expecting those possibly as early as next week. Um, they have said they're going to publish them by the end of the month, and it is today, the 20th of October. So mm. I would expect to see them out sometime next week. If not next week, then very early the following week. Uh, so that's going to be a that's going to be a big year uh, in the in the coming days. Uh, so lots lots to come. Um, I will make time this coming week to find a pick for our show next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, let's do our quiz results. Um, do you want to do the first question? Sure. Actually? The first question. The records of how many South Africans were the subject of South Africa's biggest ever data leak this week? And the answer there, obviously, over 60 million records. Jacob Zuma this week replaced his communications minister again. He was the new minister, and that's Mamaloko Kubai. The third question, who was this week appointed as the new CEO of ICASA? And the answer there is Wellington Nguepe. And I was going to say on, on uh, Mama Loka Kubai, hopefully it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be a case of um, goodbye, goodbye <laughs> soon. <laughs> which, se- which, semiconductor company, uh, which semiconductor company this week announced it has developed and tested a chipset for 5G use in mobile phones, and that's Qualcomm. And the last question in this week's quiz, which tech company had a successful listing on the JSE this week? And the answer is Foresight Holdings. That's our show. Uh, until next Friday, uh, from Rechard and myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao.